Hey there, future fans. This week you can run, you can hide, and you can fall, but you can't escape these movies. This is the week of August 23rd, 2019, and this is episode 147 of Future Flicks with Billiam. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. This is episode 147 of Future Flex with Billiam. And you know what? Let's just jump right into it. Let me tell you what this show is about. This show is about, well, movies. And not just any movies, movies that are coming out the week this episode airs. On the show, we do quite a few things. We always start with the news. That is any new news that has caught my eye since the last episode. We then go into the trailer trove, which is all the new trailers that have caught my eye. And then I pass a question off to you. If you know of any news stories or trailers that I haven't mentioned and you think I should, then you let me know. How do you let me know? Well, in the show notes and the closing housekeeping, there are a multitude of ways to get in contact with me. Just pick one and I will respond. From there, we go into the movies, which are broken up into two categories. That is the limited releases and the wide releases and interesting indies. That is pretty self-explanatory. The limited releases are any limited releases that did not catch my eye. In that section, we tell you what the movie is, what it's about, and who's in it. And then in the wide releases and interesting indies, I do all those things, and then I also give you my thoughts on the movie. These are the thoughts based solely on the trailer. And then what I do is I wrap it all up with a score, which I call the Billiams Interest Level Score, aka the Bill Score. This score goes anywhere from a 0 for those terrible, terrible films to an 11 for those films that turn it up that extra notch. We then wrap it all up with the question of the week, and then I send you along your way to listen to the other great shows in the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network, which are releasing again. Yay! We have already got some new episodes, Nerds of the Squared Circle, and the Somewhat Nerdy Radio Podcast is coming back shortly, so that is good news for all. Well, my future friends, my future fans, let us jump into the first segment of the show, which, as always, is the news. This just in from Hollywood, the news. The first story comes to us from... Okay, who's this from? Let's see. It is from IndieWire. We have some news about Bond 25, and it is actually not bad news. No one was hurt. There have been no maimings. There is no one suing anything. It's, it's all okay. At least that's what it seems like. Because this new news is announcing that we now have a name or a a title for Bond 25 and a new logo. Yeah, the logo's okay. It's just the title in, in a specific typeset, but the title is No Time to Die in true Bond fashion. That is a perfect James Bond name. And they just released a little teaser. It's not much. It's just really the the announcement of the name. You see Daniel Craig walking as if it's the beginning of the of the credits, you know, when that little circle zooms in on him and then the credit music always starts. But then it pans out and you see the No Time to Die name and says April 2020. The official dates are April 3rd, 2020 in the United Kingdom and nationwide, American nationwide, that is April 8th, 2020. And I don't know, have they wrapped filming yet? I haven't heard anything about filming being wrapped, but... If it hasn't wrapped, I'm just waiting to see what the final bad thing is. And now I'm seriously wondering, will they ever, ever, ever get Daniel Craig to do another Bond movie? Or is this truly it for him with all these troubles with him getting injured? Will they do it again? And I am not looking forward to him retiring, not just not because I'm particularly in love with him as Bond. I I do like him. I think he does a good job, but because I'm not looking forward to the conversation that's going to follow. Once again, we're going to hear more of make Bond black, make Bond a woman, make Bond a person of color, make Bond gay. I don't don't give a shit. I don't give a shit about that. 
And remember, neither should you, no matter what side of the of the fence, what side of the political spectrum you are on. Because repeat after me, my friends, what is most important is a good actor portraying James Bond. That is it. I do not care if it's a person of color. I don't care if they pick a gay actor or a transgender. I don't give a flying sh- and neither should you. My future fans, this next story comes to us from IGN, and it's regarding Spider-Man's future in the MCU. So as it turns out, negotiations have broke down between Sony and Disney when it comes to the wall crawler's future. Deadline, and this is a direct quote from the IGN article, I'll tell you when the quote ends. Deadline first reported that Marvel will not produce any further Spider-Man films in the Marvel Cinematic Universe due to an inability between Sony Pictures and Disney to reach a new term or reach new terms that would have given Disney a co-financing stake moving forward. Later, Variety reported that Sony and Marvel have reached an impasse in negotiations, but a source indicates a deal might still be reached between Disney and Sony, but there are no talks currently going on, end quote. Look, Spider-Man 3 aside, I have loved the Spider-Man films, and I enjoyed Spider-Man 3 for the ridiculousness that it was. Uh, It wasn't great, it was kind of campy, and it could have been a lot better, but it was overall an enjoyable popcorn film. These last few movies have been really good. Even though they've tinkered with the story so much, they've changed so much Aunt May has never been younger, I still don't mind because I think they're doing a good job. And I think it's because we have Sony and Disney working together. Maybe Disney just keeps Sony on track. Who knows? But whatever they're doing, it's working. And if Disney wants more of a claim in the movies, whatever. Okay, but try i I hope they work something out in news reported on from variety matrix 4 is officially a go with keanu reeves carrie ann moss and lana wachowski writing the film my only question now is why why do we need more matrix i liked the three matrix movies i did Uh, i thought the third one kind of went off the rails a little bit but it, it was overall a good film the first one was amazing number two was good This was a solid trilogy, and now they're doing a fourth one. Why are they doing a fourth one? And why are they bringing Neo back? What I hope they do, and I don't think they will, so I'm not holding my breath, but what I hope they do is just have him in a a lighter role, either in flashbacks or have it that Neo actually came back, and now he's like older and wiser and setting the stage for someone else to make some change. Because I feel we got Neo's story. And while I love Neo, I and I, I've said many times already that I love The Matrix, l- let this be. This is Avatar all over again. No one gives a sh**. This next story comes to us from Entertainment Weekly. If you heard rumors that Bella Thorne has directed a film for Pornhub, no, you did not hear wrong. Uh, the actress was apparently trying to direct a different film that fell through, so she did what any logical person would do. Turn to porn. Why not? In related news, Bella Thorne is a gigantic try-hard weirdo. This next story comes to us from, well, Entertainment Weekly again. Actor Henry Golding is in talks to play Snake Eyes in the G.I. Joe spinoff Snake Eyes. You would know him from movies like A Simple Favor and Crazy Rich Asians. And yet another Entertainment Weekly story. It is reported that Neil Bloomkamp has walked away from the RoboCop sequel. Rumor is that... Well, there are no rumors yet because no one knows exactly why he's walked away, but he did send out a tweet basically saying that, hey, I'm walking away, but no hard feelings. I'm looking forward to watching this with all the other fans. And also looks like with RoboCop, they're pulling a Terminator where Neil Bloomkamp's RoboCop was going to take place after the 1987 RoboCop, which is the original, and I assume retcon all of the others. I'm thinking, really, are we going to ignore RoboCop 3 where he gets the jetpack and saves Jill Hennessy? Really? This next story comes to us from CinemaBlend.com. Dark Phoenix officially ends its run as the lowest grossing X-Men movie of all time. Uh, Quite a few of the articles I read, including this one from CinemaBlend, tried to pass some of the blame onto Disney, saying it was bad marketing. But I don't think that's the case. I don't think that's the case at all. What I think it was was it was just a shitty movie and there was nothing Disney could have done to save it. I don't think their ad campaign could have done anything. Rumor has it that they did pull money from the ad campaign or from marketing and people are going, oh, that's why. No, you had a shitty movie. You had a movie that's a sequel to a film that did terribly. 
you have the lead actress in it who is super wooden. So wooden she makes Jennifer Lawrence look good, okay? And then you have this story that's already been told. We have seen the story of Dark Phoenix on the big screen before. True, it wasn't done that well, but we have still seen it. They could have told a different story. They could have told a million different stories, but they didn't. They told this one focusing on their weakest actor. And we have this film that should have been good, that should have been really good with this amazing cast with people other than her. And then instead we just get crap. Even if Disney didn't pull any money from the marketing, I think this movie still would have flopped because it didn't look good at all. Richard Williams has passed away at the age of 86. If you don't know who he is, you would know one of the things he worked on. He's famous for the, being the animator behind Roger Rabbit. This story comes to us from The Guardian. This new story comes to us from The Wrap. Uh, they talk about some of the original content coming to Disney Plus when it launches, and that is... First, we already knew Lady and the Tramp is coming to is coming to Disney Plus. High School Musical, the musical, the series, which is a very long and crazy name. Love Simon, the TV show. Noel, a film with oh, it's the Anna Kendrick, uh, the the Anna Kendrick uh, Christmas movie. That's right, with Anna Kendrick and Bill Hader. Oh, it looks like all these aren't coming out on the. Uh, launch of the app so it looks like high school musical the musical the series and lady and the tramp film are being released with disney plus love simon has a to be announced release date noel will be released sometime within the first year a movie based on a kid's book by kate de camillo or camillo flora and ulysses will be coming out diary of a female president will be coming out phineas and ferb the movie all with no set release dates. Stargirl, that we know it's going to be played by Breck Basinger. At least I say that. think that's how you say it. Is she related to Kim? Let's see. No, it looks like it's not. It looks like Kim Basinger spells her name differently. A series or a film based on a book called Timmy Failure will be coming out. A film called Togo based on the real life adventures in the Alaskan tundra. Of course, we know Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Wanda and Vision, Loki, What If, Hawkeye, a TV, a Monsters, Inc. TV show, The Mandalorian, a, a Rogue One prequel TV show, Obi-Wan Kenobi TV series, which Ewan McGregor is in talks to come back. The Clone Wars will be returning the world according to Jeff Goldblum, which I guess is a talk show. And then all the revivals we've talked about. We've talked about Home Alone, um, Diary of a Wimpy Kid, Night at the Museum, and we can add Cheaper by the Dozen to that list. And if you haven't heard this story from com comicbook.com, Spider-Man Far From Home is now Sony's highest grossing movie of all time. It so far has grossed over $1.1 billion worldwide, making it the first Spider-Man film to pass the billion dollar mark, the highest or the fourth highest grossing film of 2019, and overall it's the 26th highest grossing film of all time. In a story from Vanity Fair of all places, it looks like Jason Bloom, uh, whose Bloom House did that movie The Hunt, may still be coming out after they rethink the marketing. And all these people who are complaining about it making like Republicans or red staters. Wait, are Republicans red staters? Let me see. Yes, they are red states. So it makes red staters look bad or something. But I, I don't I didn't see that with this trailer. I just saw in this trailer a group of people who were kidnapped and put in this area where they get hunted by rich people and these evil rich people hunting them. If people look at these evil rich people and get offended because they think it's making fun of Republicans, maybe that's more on you than the movie. Just look at the trailer. How many times have we seen a movie with evil rich people behind it? And guess what, motherfuckers? There are rich Democrats too. Group of crybabies is what all of you are who are crying about this shit. And let's say it is. Okay, let's say that without a doubt, this movie, The Hunt, is taking a shot at Republicans. It's Hollywood. Oh no, is Hollywood making fun of you? That has never happened before. And of all of you people who are offended by this, are you that weak that you would let this B, D, hell, D-list movie, you would let it ruffle your feathers? Are you serious? 
Come on, give your balls a tug. In news from IndieWire that is weird as hell, Faye Dunaway has been fired from her play from her Broadway play T at Five and is being sued for calling her assistant a little homosexual boy. And before you ask, yes, there is more to the lawsuit than that. Apparently, she treated him like crap and, quote, regularly and relentlessly subjugated the plaintiff to abusive and demeaning triads. Not triads, tirades. (laughs) Oh, she threw Chinese gangsters at him. Ah, f*** you. (laughs) You know, this story, oh, and apparently she acted like a huge bitch on the set of this play, too. Um slapping the wig fitting team throwing salad on the floor and insisting no one wear white to rehearsal because it's distracting (laughs) okay here's my biggest the biggest question i have about this is faye dunaway who the do you think you are i get it faye dunaway has been in some amazing movies bonnie and clyde chinatown mommy dearest but come on it has been well over 20 years since you have been anyone of note I'm not saying if she was bigger or if she was a bigger name now, it would be okay for her to do that. I'm just saying it's it's a little more, not understandable, but I can I can get into their mind a little more going, okay, I'm, I'm the biggest shit right now. I'm so big. No one can touch me. And I'm getting irrational. I'm starting to let it get to my head. So that I could understand, but she is a nobody now. And this picture IndieWire chose for her uh, makes her look like Steven Tyler on a good day. In this story from space.com, oh really, space.com, sure, I'll listen to you. Ryan Johnson's Star Wars trilogy is aiming, quote, beyond the legacy characters. And I think we already kind of knew that, but this is just more cementing this idea that these next movies coming out after the Rise of Skywalker will be non-Skywalker movies. And in this interview, Ryan Johnson was just saying that he thinks it's going to be fun and challenging. And it's, it's the challenging part is going to be diving in and finding out what's exciting and figure out what it's going to be. And I think the hardest part will actually be picking what to do because Star Wars has a huge canon. Even in this post like mistake of retconning all of the books and TV shows and stuff from back from way back when, even after retconning that the 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 world of Star Wars is so big that you could do so much, and I'm looking forward to where this could go. Uh, we now know what the prices are going to be for Disney Plus in other countries, and so I do have listeners in other countries, and I'm sorry if yours is one of these. So we know that Disney Plus in the United States will cost $6.99 a month or $69.99 for an annual subscription, which I still think is the best option because if you think about it this way, the price is not going to go down. Prices for these streaming services only go up. So if you lock yourself in year by year, I think that's a good idea. But we know that in Canada, it's going to be $8.99 per month. And please know that when I say the price in your country, it's in whatever money you use. Or $89.99 per year. The Netherlands will look at $6.99, $69.99 a year. Australia, $8.99, $89.99 a year. I think you see where this is going. And New Zealand is $9.99. There are other countries, a lot of other countries that this will be going to, but these are the first rounds of releases. There are two new movies coming to Netflix this week. The first one is Gangs of New York, and the other one is the documentary American Factory. That Yes, this is the movie that the Obamas were behind. In this story from Uprox, Sony is re-releasing Spider-Man Far From Home in theaters with four minutes of new footage. Basically, they're trying to copy Avengers Endgame. Good luck with that. In promising news from Flickering Myth, Resident Evil director Johannes Roberts says that these new movies are going to be super, super scary and will go back to the roots of the game. And I think if they actually do this, this is the best way to do it. If you're going to reboot Resident Evil, stay away from the original movies they did. Those had their place. Those were enjoyable as action horror, in sarcastic air quotes, because those were never scary. But they were good as just an act- a mindless action film. Uh, so I kind of lost my train of thought here. So let me just wrap up by reiterating, yes, I think that this is the best way to do it. Having it more true to the games. This next story comes to us from The Independent, and it's by far the most clickbaity title I've ever heard. Okay, that's not true. It's just pretty clickbaity. It just says Spider-Man. By going their separate ways, Disney and Sony may have just killed the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I forgot if I mentioned this already on this news segment. I'm sorry, I'm not feeling well, and I did this episode over two days. 
I got some weird bug thing, and does that keep me from delivering a quality show to you? Sometimes. Sometimes. Not this time, though. So I forgot if I already talked about this story, but Disney and Sony have not come to an agreement. Wait, I did, didn't I? I did. I did talk about this. Well, basically, this story reiterates that Disney wants wants half. Basically, it wants a half stake in any future Spider-Man movies. And because of this story, I've been seeing a lot of stories coming out about people uh, or fear-mongering. I guess that's that seems like a weird thing to say because we use fear-mongering for other things. But this is like comic book movie fear-mongering. Like, Spider-Man's gone from the MCU, the MCU is ruined, or Sony is ruined, and uh, no, nothing's ruined. This isn't even done yet. They, they could still go back to the, to the, um, whatever table, what do you call those tables? Go back to the, not drawing board, bargaining table, Jesus, I can't think of it. Whatever the word is, they could always just go back and work out a deal. So if you start seeing a lot of stories about, you know, Spider-Man ruined, Spider-Man killing the MCU, it, it's just bullshit. Well, my future friends, that is it for the news. Let us go into our first break, as we always do, and hear a word from our friends at the Somewhat Nerdy Radio Podcast. Please stay tuned. Are you looking for a nerd podcast that touches on every walk of nerd culture? Well, look no further. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is the podcast for you. We cover nerd culture, news, new movie reviews, bad movie reviews, video games, comics, with sprinkles of nerdy nostalgia throughout. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is a flagship podcast of the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. Find us on every podcast app or stream it on somewhatnerdy.com. Good journey, nerds. We are back. We are back with the trailers. So without further ado, let us step into our next segment, which is everyone's favorite segment, the trailer trove. Avast, and welcome to the trailer trove. The first trailer we have to talk about this week is one called Underwater. This is a film starring Kristen Stewart, TJ Miller, Vincent Castle, Jessica Henwick, John Gallagher Jr., Mamodou Athi, and Gunnar Wright. And it looks pretty good. Um, I'm excited for this. I like I like this new Kristen Stewart we've been seeing. She like I like I always bring up with her. I always bring this up, and it's always true. She went and cut her teeth in the Indies, and now she's back, and she's better than ever. And I think this film looks good. And I, I don't think she's magically gained new skills. I think she just got smarter. I think she got really smart about what she can and can't do and picks her roles very well. This movie is about a crew of underwater researchers who must scramble to safety after an earthquake devastates their subterranean laboratory and unleashes an unknown evil. This gives me a feeling of Deep Blue Sea meets Alien, and that's pretty badass. This film comes out January 10th, 2020. The next movie on our list for, as for trailers goes, is Bombshell. This is a movie about a few women who decide to take on Fox News boss Roger Ailes? Allies? Whatever. And the toxic male culture he presided over at the network. This stars Nicole Kidman, Charlize Theron, Margot Robbie, Alice Eve... Kate McKinnon, Stephen Root, Connie Britton, Allison Janney, and John Lithgow. And right now, there's not too much I can say about this. The trailer was really just a teaser. It shows these, the three women in an elevator, the three main women in an elevator. The only words uttered are by Nicole Kidman. And the best thing so far about this is how good Charlize Theron looks. She is Megyn Kelly. At the first time I saw a screenshot of this, I thought they actually they actually got Megan Kelly to play Megan Kelly. My only issue with this is the wording of the the wording of the premise because I hate it when we have these people who talk about toxic male culture and toxic masculinity because it's bullshit. What they what they really mean is that there are men and they are assholes. But the fact that these men are assholes aren't a aren't really an inherent male thing. Like, look at me, look at Chris, look at Critter, look at Danger, look at Ken and Dan from the Watch Your Mouth podcast, look at Robbie from We're Doing Fine with Robbie and Lisa. There are a million examples out there of people, men, who are not huge assholes. So we should call it what it is. And I actually find myself quoting Meryl Streep when she says, we hurt our boys by calling something toxic masculinity. She says it's offensive to men. And to me, it's not offensive. I just think it's a bullshit term for someone's being an asshole. 
if we want to be fair with this, if we want to be fair with this naming, then if we're calling men who are doing asshole male things as toxic masculinity, then women who are doing bitchy woman things should be toxic femininity. There, it's fair. I made it fair for you. This film comes out December 20th, 2019. I just watched a trailer and I, I don't know what to think. I, I, I don't, I really don't. I'm so confused. The, the cast based just on the cast, this should be up my alley based on the type of movies I like based off the people who are in it. And the fact that I generally like their movies, but then we have the fact that it looks so weird. The whole style is so weird. It, the, the plot is a little odd. We have this young actor who arrives in Hollywood, who then starts editing movies instead of in, instead of acting in them. And he starts to meet all these people, big people in the industry. And he believes that there's one super movie made that that's made from scenes of one scene from each movie ever made. Uh, I'm not sure if this is making sense. So if you take a certain scene from every movie ever made, then you will make one big super movie and that he believes it's something that people are purposely doing. I, I don't fucking get it. Okay, um, it's so weird. So the cast, I'm just going to go down the line on IMDb. Seth Rogen, Joey King, Megan Fox, Will Ferrell, James Franco, Danny McBride, Dave Franco, Jackie Weaver, Craig Robinson, and Horatio Sands. And I, I just don't know what to think. I Right now I'm thinking no, just no. I don't know how this seemingly super low budget movie got all of these people and no that's not just a cut and an indie film that can't get a big budget no 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 just the way the movie looks the style it is it just seems like they didn't have the equipment that even most of your a24 uh indie films have fox searchlight things like that it just i i don't get it i don't know what to think and i'm so confused next up ladies and gentlemen we have a trailer for a film called last christmas Kate is a young woman subscribed to bad decisions. Her last date with disaster, that of having accepted a job at a year-round Christmas store. However, there she meets Tom. Her life takes a turn. But for Kate, it seems too good to be true. I, I swear this sounds really basic, but if you watch the trailer, it, it's not as basic as it seems. This stars, let me see, Amelia Clark and Henry Golding and Emma Thompson and Michelle Yeoh. And it, I think it looks really entertaining. I think this looks like the perfect movie to come out early to mid-December to have a run through Christmas. Looks like the perfect Christmas movie to come out November 8th. November 8th. I want to find whoever schedules these movies, whoever has these release dates, and I want to punch him in his face. I want to just hold him, hold him by his up ahead and scream at him that Chris's movies should come out around Christmas, not before Thanksgiving. Like, what is your major malfunction? Why? Someone tell me. Because I have noticed that certain listeners, usually Evan and Brian Q, sometimes uh, Critter, Fratmat, the others, but usually some of you know something I don't. And hopefully you know why the we rarely see a Christmas movie released around Christmas. Why is it always early November? Most movies have a five to six week release period. And so by the time Christmas rolls around, the fucking thing isn't even in theaters anymore. They don't even do a week long re-release for the week of Christmas. And I would understand it if they were trying to shove it out to be released as in to buy, to rent, or to stream by Christmas, but that's never the case. This movie is directed by Paul Feig, who's done movies like Spy, The Heat, Bridesmaids. And I was really looking forward to this movie after watching the trailer, and I still want to see it, but now I'm just pissed off. November 8th? Are you fucking kidding me? Russia is getting this movie December 12th. Argentina and Portugal are getting it December 5th. Hell, France, Netherlands, and Turkey are getting it the week of the 22nd, uh, November 22nd. What? the hell and let's just get off this topic let's get off this topic and talk about something better like rambo 5 last blood got a second trailer and the second trailer is a lot of the first trailer just recut with some new scenes in it which guess what that's how second trailers usually work the only thing that this trailer did was further cement that this is at least going to be an okay movie it's a very basic idea john rambo is back at home and something happens to his a uh, family member of his, I don't know if it's his, oh, uncle. 
Uh, she called him Uncle John. So something happened to his niece. I think they're the only family the other one has left. So he goes hunting for her. And then I guess it's like a cartel or a gang or something that kidnapped her. So then he sets up this huge trap. Basically, his the, he turns his land into a giant trap full of bombs and arrows and and guns and all these things just to kill people. And yes, okay, th- that's what I expect from a, a newer Rambo movie. Of course, yes, the first few Rambo movies were violent, but I think at least at least with the first one, there was more to it. This one, I think, is just trying to show that hey. We have this old man. He can still kick ass. Here is how he's going to do it. We're going to come up with this basic premise that really doesn't matter because what you're watching is a familiar character, a blast from the past who can still kick ass. And that is fine with me. If you go to see Rambo Last Blood thinking anything other than it's just going to be an okay action movie, then you are on something and I want to know what it is. The only issue I have is that they call this Last Blood, and I really don't think this is going to be the last Rambo movie. I I don't. I think Stallone will keep playing Rocky and Rambo for as long as they will let him. And nothing wrong with that. I just, I just wish the studio would be honest that if this, you know, if this movie does even a little well, that they will try and do another one. So don't lie to us telling that telling us that this is Rambo's final mission. Rambo's final mission comes out September 20th, 2019. And that is it for the trailer trove. Let us take our next break as we hear a word from our friends at Nerds of the Squared Circle. So please stay tuned. Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Hi, I'm Sam Jericho of SomewhatNerdy.com's Nerds of the Squared Circle. Join me, Snarf Chris, and the dude with the headband. We talk about wrestling and more wrestling. Do you like wrestling? Yeah! Yeah. Then you should listen to our podcast. Do you not like wrestling? You should still listen to our podcast. SomewhatNerdy.com's Nerds of the Squared Circle. Subscribe to us on iTunes or your favorite podcast app today. Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com. And we are back with the limited releases, so let's jump right into it with the first one called Hot Air. A right-wing talk show host's life takes a sudden turn when his 16-year-old niece comes crashing into his life. This stars Steve Coogan from Alan Partridge, Taylor Russell from Lost in Space, and Nev Campbell from Scream. And even though I really like this cast, I just I just couldn't get into the film. It's It seems too blatant, too blatant of a jab at people like Rush Limbaugh and, uh, you, you, you know, those, those other people that are just like him. Hannity, Sean Hannity, he's, he's one of them, right? One of those pundits. I don't know. All those people are terrible. I don't care what side they're on. Because the, the problem with pundits is that they just, they just preach to their side. People who they know will listen to and eat up every word they say. And if the other, if the opposition has any facts that go against what they say, they will 100% ignore it. And this goes whether they're, it's a Republican pundit or a Democrat pundit. They're just full of shit. Next up, we have a film called Tone Deaf. A woman goes to the countryside to spend a quiet weekend after losing her job and having her last complicated relationship implode. She rents a country house from an old-fashioned widower who struggles to hide his psychopathic tendencies. This stars Robert Patrick from T2, Judgment Day, and Amanda Crew from Silicon Valley. Next up, we have a film called Burn. When a gas station is held at gunpoint by a desperate man in need of cash, a lonely and unstable gas station attendant, tired of being overshadowed by her more outgoing co-worker, finds an opportunity to make a connection with the robber. This stars Suki Waterhouse from Pride and Prejudice and Zombies and Josh Hutcherson from Future Man. And how sad is her life if she is tired of being overshadowed by one of her co-workers. And this is nothing against gas station attendants, any clerk level, any bottom of the rung level position. Like if it pushes you that much, then there is something wrong with you. Next up, we have a film called Jacob's Ladder. After returning home from the Vietnam War, veteran Jacob Singer struggles to maintain his sanity. That is until one day when his dead brother shows up at his doorstep and things get weirder from there. This stars Michael Ellie 
from Too Fast, Too Furious, and Jesse Williams from Grey's Anatomy. Next up, we have a film called Becoming Burlesque. Despite her uncle encouraging her to adopt a more traditional lifestyle, a young Muslim college student secretly joins a Toronto burlesque troupe. This stars Shiva Nagar from American Assassin, and it could have been a pretty cool idea. I just think it's done really, really poorly. Next up is a film called Jawline, or a documentary called Jawline. This documentary follows 16-year-old Austin Tester, a rising star on social media, like, like social media is a single thing, right? Who builds his following on wide-eyed optimism and teen girl lust as he tries to escape a dead-end life in rural Tennessee. What bothers me the most about this trailer, what bothered me the most, isn't the fact that it's about some uh, like YouTube or Instagram or Twitter star or, or something that, something I don't understand as an old man. What really bothers me is something that Anne brings up a lot, is how something like this isn't equal across the sexes. In this, in this trailer, you see quite a few scenes of this Austin tester and he's shirtless and he's posing all like trying to be pouty i guess is that that's what puffy little kids are trying to be these days is is uh pouty and if we replaced austin with a 16 year old girl and we did the same type of trailer so having this 16 year old in a bikini acting all pouty or whatever it wouldn't be cool i think it would really strike a chord with people and not a good chord but the fact that Austin is a guy, we don't get that same reaction. Because frankly, we have this kid selling himself in two ways. First, his, like what like they say, the wide-eyed optimism, which is great, whatever, that's fine. But then the teen girl lust part, where he's taking all these like topless pictures. And all of you out there know that, like I said, if the same thing was done, but with a teenage girl, it would not fly. So this movie is too much going against it. It's a documentary about someone that I have no idea who the f*** it is, and I bet a lot of you have no idea who the f*** he is. And it's just kind of gross. And finally, in the limited releases section, we have a film called Overcomer. Coach John Harrison is forced to take over coaching his school's non-existent cross-country team. Like, seriously, they make a point of noting that there's no one on this team when he takes it over. The day of tryouts come and only one girl shows up, Hannah Scott who has asthma but believes running is the only thing she can do well. Together with the power of God, they will take on the impossible. Aww. This is a Christian movie, in case you didn't know. And it looks f***ing awful. What, really, was Kirk Cameron not available for this? Come on, get good. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is it for the limited section. Let us move on to the wide releases and interesting indies after a word from our friends at the Watch Your Mouth Podcast. Please stay tuned. There are several ways to raise money for a good cause. Some do it by running marathons. Some host high-dollar dinners. And some just do it by clever internetting. We here at the Watch Your Mouth Podcast employ a different approach. Wall-to-wall filthy f***ing language. Go to a grocery store, I'm like, I know exactly what I need. I get in there, I'm like, yeah, the that I even come here for. With our charity swear jar, every f***ed up utterance from our unfettered gobs is a dime in the right direction. The motherfucker's a mouth breather. Gaming, movies, life musings, it's all here. Served on a bed of f***s and garnished with a crown of Shut the f*** up! How the f*** did we get here? F*** all that a jelly bean! So if you want to hear us do good things with bad words, check out the Watch Your Mouth podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Facebook, or online at wympodcast.com. And remember, swearing is caring, so watch your mouth. All right, folks, we are back with a film called Tigers Are Not Afraid. This is a dark fairy tale about a gang of five children trying to survive the horrific violence of the cartels and the ghosts created every day by the drug war. This is a movie from Mexico, and it, it does look pretty interesting. I, I think it's a very interesting idea. So we have horror on two fronts in this. We have the fact that these this group of kids live in the middle of a of an area where gang violence is a real thing, and not just as gang violence, it's violence due to the drug war. So you have cartels and shit to deal with, and not only do they have to deal with that, but they have to deal with the fact that the ghosts and spirits of those murdered by these people are not going to rest. This movie doesn't look like a horror. Not really. Like, you know, if you watch one of James Wan's movies, you will know because of the feel, because of the look of the film. 
But in this movie, in the scenes where they're dealing with the with the real life violence with the with the drug war, when they're dealing with that, it has a very specific look. And then the tone of the whole movie changes when these spiritual ghostly things start happening. And I think this is going to be a good film. I think it's going to be entertaining. I don't think it's going to be a straight up horror like anything like James Wan or uh, Bloomhouse does. I think this is mainly going to focus on these kids and how they deal living in this very dangerous world, but also have this ghost story with it. And I think it has a lot of promise. It is in Spanish, so you will have to read a few subtitles if you want to get what's going on. Tigers Are Not Afraid gets a 7.5 out of 11. Next up, we have the first of two documentaries. The first one is called Miles Davis, Birth of the Cool. This is a documentary that focuses on the great Miles Davis and the music legend he became. This features interviews with, but not limited to, Miles Davis himself from older interviews, Carlos Santana, Quincy Jones, and Herbie Hancock. Yes, please, I will learn more about some Miles Davis, the music legend he was, and still is. I mean, his music is still amazing. And I like that this documentary isn't going to pull any punches. It's not going to sugarcoat it. It's going to talk about his addictions. It's going to talk about the fact that at times he was kind of an asshole. It's going to be honest about the man behind the music, and I think that looks really promising. If you have any interest whatsoever in Miles Davis, this could be one to check out this week. Miles Davis, Birth of the Cool, gets a 7 out of 11. And let's keep this music theme going with the next documentary called Fiddler, A Miracle of Miracles. This is the origin story of one of Broadway's most beloved musicals, Fiddler on the Roof, and its creative roots early in the 1960s New York. If you made a list of all the most influential musicals of all time, you cannot make that list without Fiddler on the Roof. And this documentary has interviews with original cast members, with people who've been in the various iterations of it, and even interviews with people like Lin-Manuel Miranda, who is the creative genius behind Hamilton. And I think it's really cool that they got him in this trailer because he, because Hamilton is going to go down in history as one of the most influential musicals of all time. But here he is paying homage to Fiddler. And Fiddler is one of those musicals that you know a song from, even if you've never actually seen the film, even if you've never actually seen it in on a, uh, on a stage somewhere, you know one of the songs. You do. Matchmaker, If I Were a Rich Man. Miracle of Miracles, Sunrise, Sunset, you know these songs, or at least one of them. Hell, If I Were a Rich Man was taken by Gwen Stefani and turned into and turned into a song for her. If you've seen the movie Mrs. Doubtfire, you heard them sing part of Matchmaker. If you have any love for musical theater, you should check this out one day. Fiddler, A Miracle of Miracles, gets a 7 out of 11. Next up, we have a film called Give Me Liberty. A medical transport driver risks his job to shuttle a group of rowdy seniors and a Russian boxer to a funeral, dragging clients like Tracy, a young woman with ALS, along for the ride. This stars no one of note, but it looks really interesting. We have this main character who, who drives a medical transport. You, you got that. And he doesn't seem particularly motivated in life. He doesn't seem particularly warm and cuddly. Uh, but he does his job, maybe not particularly well, because he seems to be late at times. He drives too fast, takes corners too hard. But one day he's going in to pick up someone and he sees this group of old people just waiting around. And he finds out that their ride has abandoned them and they have to get to a funeral. So he's like, fine, yeah, okay, I'll take you. And then on the way, he's still doing his job, picking up people and dropping them off on the way of getting this group of old people to their funeral. And then he picks up. Tracy along the way who's not too thrilled she's like well I guess that all these people their thing is more important than me going to the doctor or wherever she's going but it seems like a one of those kind-hearted warm nice cuddly movies that doesn't seem like it's going to start out that way but kind of goes that route where we have a group of people that are brought together by whatever circumstances and that we're, we're going to see the real the real human element of this movie where we get to know more about the driver. We're going to get to know about more of the old people, and we're going to get to know Tracy more. This film looks entertaining, it looks cute, and ultimately skippable. Give Me Liberty gets a 6 out of 11. Next up, folks, we have a film called Vita and Virginia. 
This is based on the true story about the love affair between socialite and popular author Vita Sackville West <laughs> Sackville <laughs> and literary icon Virginia Woolf. This stars Gemma Atherton from Girl with All the Gifts, Elizabeth DeBecky from Everest, and Isabella Rossellini from Blue Velvet. So after watching this trailer, it made me think of movies like The Danish Girl and Carol and Brooklyn, now that I think about it. And by that, I guess I just mean that we have a period piece, a dramatic romance period piece. And just because of that, it puts us in this very specific bubble. All of the movies I mentioned are all very different. But from the outside, with the, just the basics, they all fall into this, this little bubble. So if you like movies like that, if you like movies like Carol and Brooklyn and The Danish Girl, then this could be for you. If you don't like movies like this, then walk away from this as fast as you can. And then I would also be prepared for more and more movies like this to come out. Because with this film, we have a, a lesbian romance in the early 1900s. And guess what? They weren't very woke in the early 1900s. And this really isn't a story they could tell, really, up until now. In this day and age, we're a little more accepting about it. I know it doesn't seem like it, because whenever something like this comes out, whenever something from the LGBTQ community, like some story from it makes the news. We see a lot of hate towards it, but we have to remember that that's just the world, the world we live in and not the hate, just how easy it is to hear other people's opinions. And what also you have to remember is that assholes love the internet because they can just type shit and sit behind their desk and sit, sit behind their computer and just feel safe that their assholeness is not going to be called upon. And if someone's going to talk to them online they're just like oh well whatever i have all the time here just to sit back and come up with some argument that's going to infuriate you and you're trying to fight an ass on their level they win but what i'm trying to say is that even though we have those people that are still very loud now is really the best time for films like this to come out i really wouldn't be surprised if we see a rock hudson movie come out Especially because all the people from Rock Hudson's time who wouldn't want to hear about that are on their way out. They're not the majority of the movie going public anymore. Another example of that is, let's say that there was some huge dirt, some world-changing dirt on JFK. I think they would have to wait for my mother's generation to be gone to release it without anyone complaining. Or release it now when all her generation are, are not the main moviegoers anymore. Because with the people, the celebrities and politicians of our time now, we don't have this love, the same love for them as our parents did for their celebrities and their politicians. If you want to talk about Barack Obama, about Donald Trump, about George Bush, about any of them, you can just say it. True, you'll anger some people, but for the most part, yeah, we're, we're used to it. We're used to hearing dirt on the people in the news. But back then, you couldn't do stuff like that. It was it was frowned upon. So now is the time when we're going to see movies like this come out. But even if now is the time for those stories, this movie still it still looks okay. It looks like something to be watched later. And it doesn't look like something you have to catch. And it looks like if you skip this 100%, I don't think you'd be missing out. Vit in Virginia gets a 5.5 out of 11. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we have three movies left, and the next movie is called Brittany Runs a Marathon. A woman living in New York named Brittany takes control of her life one block at a time as she decides to run the New York Marathon. This stars Jillian Bell from Office Christmas Party and Lil Rel Howery from Tag. And yes, I do think this looks interesting. I like Jillian Bell. I think she's hilarious. I like Lil Rel... Lil Ugh, I have such a hard time saying this man's name, Lil Rel Howery. But this film looks like a classic case of an entertaining, funny movie that is going to hit theaters. It's going to be missed by a whole heck of a lot of people. It's going to go to some streaming service. And then one day when you're at home, you're sick and you're staying home. It's a rainy day and you canceled your plans or maybe just feel like watching something on Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime, whatever, and you stumble across this, and you're like, "Oh, I heard about this film." You watch it, and you're like, "That was that was good. That was a that was a good film." And you may never watch it again, or it becomes one of those sleeper hits where you have a lot of people talking about it, but it never really blows up. 
I think that this is going to be a a good comedy. You know Jillian Bell. If you have seen any movie she's in, you know her type of comedy. The way I look at Jillian Bell is if Lena Dunham was not a piece of human garbage, that is who she'd be. But maybe that comparison is just me. I don't know. As for Britney Runs a Marathon, it looks cute, it looks entertaining, but it doesn't have that oomph. It doesn't have that spark that makes me want to see it in theaters. It makes me want to watch it just one day. Britney Runs a Marathon gets a 7 out of 11. Two movies left, folks, and the final movie that's not the pick of the week is called Angel Has Fallen. Secret Service agent Mike Banning is framed for the attempted assassination of the president and must evade his own agency and the FBI as he tries to uncover the real threat. The stars Gerard Butler from all of the other Fallen movies, Piper Perabo from Coyote Ugly, Morgan Freeman from Who Says I Can't Write a Rainbow, Jada Pinkett Smith from Collateral, Danny Houston from X-Men Origins Wolverine, Nick Nolte from 48 Hours, Lance Reddick from John Wick, and Tim Blake Nelson from Oh Brother Where Art Thou. So you know what to expect, you really do. This is the third movie in the Blank Has Fallen series. And really, Morgan Freeman should should step down as president. It's, it'd be better for his health. Motherfuckers be trying to kill him the whole time. First we had Olympus Has Fallen, then London Has Fallen, now Angel Has Fallen. I bet you we can do another movie years later when they're all really, really old and have it just go, the president has fallen and he falls down and breaks a hip. Uh, but these are basic action movies. You, you know if you like this already. If you've seen the first two and you liked those, then guess what? You'll enjoy this one. It's, it's the same thing. And I'm not trying to be disparaging to it by saying it's the same thing. It's just that it's a, a, a very specific type of movie, and B, it's the threequel. So you know if you're going to see this or not. And guess what? If you haven't seen one and two, I don't think it'd be terrible if you started here, but I think you'd get more enjoyment out of it if you started with the first two. Because guess what? If you see the first one and don't like it, I don't think you're going to like London and Angel. This has good people in it. This is a a, a respected-ish action series. I mean, this, this action series really has never been shat upon that bad. These are just standard action films. Do you like them? Then you'll like this. I really don't have more to say. I think this looks entertaining, but I've never seen the first two all the way through. I've seen bits and pieces, and what I've seen, I've liked. Angel Has Fallen gets a 7 out of 11. And finally, my friends, we have the pick of the week, so say it with me if you know it. This week's pick of the week is Ready or Not. A bride's wedding night takes a sinister turn when her eccentric new in-laws force her to take part in a life-or-death game of hide-and-seek. This stars Samara Weaving from The Babysitter, Adam Brody from The O.C., Mark O'Brien from Arrival, Henry Zerny from Mission Impossible, Annie McDowell from Hudson Hawk, and Melanie Scrofano from Letterkenny. If you want to know who she is in Letterkenny, she plays Mrs. McMurray. Not to be confused with Bonnie McMurray. So when I when I was talking to Anne about the movies that were coming out this week, and I said that this was going to be my pick, she says, really? And I, I know what she means. Really? This is the pick of the week? But this week is simultaneously good for movies and not good, just because none of the movies I've talked about in the, in the wide release section look bad. None of them are at least outwardly terrible movies. But also, there's nothing that just grabs me and makes me need to see it in theaters. I actually considered making Tigers Are Not Afraid the pick of the week, but just thought it just didn't do enough to warrant it. Where, ready or not, that looks a little more predictably good. And by predictably good, I don't mean that, oh, it's it'll be predictable, and since I know it's predictable, I'll like it. No, I mean, it's going to be good in a very predictable way. This is a kind of a comedy thriller horror, I guess. This is a kind of movie that when someone dies and a lot of people are going to die and pretty bloody, and in some cases funny, that it's not going to be that big of a deal. And it's interesting. It's really interesting looking at death in movies and how it's handled and how during the whole, through the lens that the movie is shown through, seeing how death is treated in each film. If you take a film like this, if you take any of the Saw films, if you take, uh, let's see, what else? Tucker and Dale versus Evil, uh, or any other movie, Aliens, things like that. Death still may be important to the story, still make you feel feelings, but it's not as big as, say, 
movies like Burn After Reading, The Departed, things like that where someone dies and it's, oh shit. Hell, even certain deaths in movies where you know people are going to die, like Samuel L. Jackson in Deep Blue Sea, that was an oh shit moment. And for the most part, it seems like the deaths in Ready or Not won't won't be that oh shit moment, but I bet you there could be. But what I mean when I talk about the lens that we see death through, it's how how shocking it is. And we're really prepared for it just by just by the trailer alone. It really helps us figure out what kind of movie it's going to be. Does it deal with death in a more blasé attitude or is it a little more intense? Just from the trailer alone, when the two hired help are just murdered and people are just like, okay, well, that sucks. We, we killed another maid. Whoops. Makes me fully know what to expect from this film. I think it's going to be entertaining. I think it's going to be fun and funny, but I don't think it's going to be memorable. I really don't think it's going to be that memorable. If you go see a movie this week and you see this, will you waste your money? No, I really don't think so. Will you be entertained? Sure. I think you will. But I think that if you do not see a movie in theaters this week, I really don't think you'll be missing out. I think there is a lot this week to put on your to-be-watched list. I think there's a lot this week to keep an eye out for on streaming or in Redbox or whatever way you consume movies. But just as far as theaters go, maybe skip it this week. But if you do see one, Ready or Not seems like the best choice. It looks like it will capitalize on the big screen the best. Ready or not, gets a 7.5 out of 11. And with that, my future friends, let us take our final break and hear a word from our friends at the podcast titled We're Doing Fine with Robbie and Lisa. And then we'll be right back with a question of the week. Please stay tuned. Hi, I'm Lisa. And I'm Robbie. And we host a show called We're We're Doing Doing Fine. Fine. We're friends from across the ocean. I'm from Scotland. And I'm from California. Join us every week as we chat about biscuits. You mean cookies. Brexit. Whatever's going on here. Who knows? Almost dying. Why we're single. Popular culture. And basically everything and anything that can distract us from this postmodern hellscape we're all living in. Because we're we're doing doing fine. All right, future fans, welcome back to the show. Let us wrap this up with the question of the week. So if you do not remember, the question of the week that was supposed to be answered this week was that you got to change the character perspective for a movie. So you would tell me which movie and which character's perspective you would change it to. As always, the first answer we got comes from Brian Q, who says, I have kind of a double answer. Casablanca or the Maltese Falcon, either movie told through the eyes of Sidney Greenstreet. Sidney Greenstreet in, let's see, Casablanca played Signor Ferrari, and in the Maltese Falcon was Casper Gutman. And yes, it would be very interesting to see either of those movies told from any other perspective, let alone that of Sidney Greenstreet. We then get an answer from Evan, Evan who said, Dead Poet Society told through the eyes of the teacher, a.k.a. Robin Williams, a.k.a. John Keating. And I think that could be really good and has a lot of promise. We then have an answer from Anne who says, Scream, but told from the killer's point of view. And then we would get to know exactly who killed who in the movie. And she just clarified to me that it'd be Stu and Billy's point of view. And so we'd also get to see them when they committed the murders and we would get to see them when they're hanging out with the group. And I think that could be a really cool way to redo it. And as for me, my answer, as it is for so many questions of the week, is Galaxy Quest, but told through the eyes of the aliens, primarily through the eyes of Malthazar, just because we get to see like Tim Allen, Sigourney Weaver, Alan Rickman, Tony Shalhoub, all of them as as like almost gods to him and see this movie through the eyes of someone who looks at them like heroes. It could also jump back and forth between different aliens point of view. So we could see Quillick at the time he dies and see kind of what it was like for him to hear Alan Rickman deliver that famous line, especially in honor of him. I think that I think it would give the movie a totally different feel and just 
as awesome, but in a completely different way. So for this week's question of the week, I had to turn to my bullet journal page where I have ideas written down. And the one that jumped out to me makes me think of that trailer I was talking about for the James Franco movie that just confused me oh so much. So this one, I believe I've asked a version of this before. And as always, if you if you do remember me asking this exact question, come up with a new answer, maybe. But here we go. Which movie had a great cast? but sucked. And remember, this could be a great cast to you. If you have this like group of indie actors, never done anything big that you would love to see together, and they did a movie and it actually sucked, you can do that. It doesn't have to be all A-list, multi-million dollar movie actors. It could be whoever you want. So once again, which movie with a great cast sucked? Well, my future friends, it is time to wrap this show up. So let us get into the closing housekeeping. You can find me on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play, as well as any podcast app. You can also find me on the Somewhat Nerdy website, that's somewhatnerdy.com. I'd really appreciate it if you take a few minutes out of your day to give the podcast a rating. I would love five stars, please. All the stars possible. And then share the podcast with your friends. That is how we grow. And how do you reach me? That's a great question. Leave a comment for me on the Somewhat Nerdy website or Facebook page. Leave a comment on SoundCloud. Hit me up on Twitter and Instagram at BilliamSWN. Email me at BilliamReviews at gmail.com. Please support us on Patreon. You can find a link in the show notes and on the Somewhat Nerdy site. Be sure to check out the Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Nerds of the Squared Circle podcasts, which are also on the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. Support the friends of the shows whose ads you've heard during this episode. And don't forget to check out the Somewhat Nerdy website for all of our latest blogs and news. And finally, my dear friends, my dear, dear listeners, my future fans, please remember that no matter where life takes you, no matter what your week has in store, just take some time to catch a flick. I'm Billiam from Somewhat Nerdy signing off, and I'll see you in the future.